Amen. Well, hey, you know, I just, I want to just family talk here for a moment. You know, one of the things that we are so convinced of in these days is that we need God. (laughs) Now, hopefully that was already established in our hearts and minds, but we need him, you guys. I know that you can personalize that, but we need him. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings, we gather as a church family. Everybody is welcome from all over the city or online all over the world, literally, to join us. But we are not trying to pull off a religious service. We are trying to meet with the person of God collectively as the people of God and out of our connection to him, reflect him in every way possible so that we leave this place strengthened in the grace of God, that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus. So uh, if I could just say it this way, welcome to the family room (laughs) where Jesus is the head of the house. Um, All righty. Well, hey, last, just a few things. Here we go. A few things before we get going. Uh, This weekend, we're having a marriage conference. You guys uh, may be aware of that. Francis and Alicia Chanter join us. Dear friends, um, and um, I've had the privilege of just traveling around the world with them a little bit. I think we've got a picture of us in Myanmar just after preaching the gospel to people who've never heard. And the beautiful thing that I love about Francis and Lisa is they're coming with a powerful message on, on marriage, but it is related to this idea of if God has brought us together in the union of marriage, then he also has a mission for our lives. And so it's a very, very powerful deal. He will also be with us on Sunday morning. Francis is going to be preaching out of John 17, which is where we are as a people. He wrote a book on unity. So I said, I'll throw you a softball, buddy. Just just go on John 17. That's what we're doing. And then just one other thing on unity is we are talking about John 17 and unpacking unity. Uh, We're doing podcasts every week, unpacking a little more in depth on unity. If you haven't listened to uh, the podcast, it's just a way for us to dialogue a little more laid back. Sunday morning sometimes is limited. This allows us to expand on what God's speaking to us uh, about unity. Alrighty, so here we go for this morning. Again, that clarity point that God is speaking to us to be a people who are in union with God, communion with the saints, and partnership with his mission. That's who we are as a people. Everybody say union, communion, and partnership. And we, uh, we doing okay? Oh, okay. It's just not working yet. This is a great man, by the way, Blant Lewis. Blant, how many years have we worked together? What are we at? When did you, uh, you come? 20, 2001. 2001, 22 years of partnership and grace. Thank you, buddy. Well, while he's working on that, we're going to all uh, stand together. and We're going to read a really long passage of Scripture. You ready? John 17 is the prayer of Jesus. Let me just set it up just so I want to know. We've been standing a lot today, but that's good for you. It's all right. So think about this. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and we get an insight into his heart, what he thinks about, what he feels, what he's wanting to communicate. And this prayer is his prayer. All right? 
So uh, as we go through, you can just read it with me. We're going to read it out loud, and it's going to take us about three minutes for those who people think this is really long. It's okay. It's the Word of God. It's going to be all right. You ready? John 17, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them. They received them. Understood. And believe that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You're almost there. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all most say be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the word may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, 
although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known. I and them. Amen. Give yourself a hand. You did it. All right. Grab a seat. <laughs> this is the open prayer of Jesus. He wanted us to know what was on his heart, what was on his mind, what he was praying for us. And if you just simplify this prayer, there's kind of three big things going on. He prays for himself that the glory that the Father intended for him would now be made manifest. We know prophetically by him going to the cross, God, glorify yourself. Let yourself be seen and made known through my life. He prayed for the glorification again of his own life and this journey he was about to take to the cross. He prayed for us. He prayed that God's word would be planted in us. It would be restored. He prayed that we would, not, we would be in the world, but not of the world. We would, we would be protected by the evil one. He prayed for our unity, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. He prayed that the whole world would know because we uh, love one another and care for one another, that they would see the glory of God in our lives. He prayed that we would know the Father just as he knows the Father. Isn't that amazing? This is a beautiful thing that God does through his word. He gives us insight into his heart and in his mind. And so I want to just take a little time, we'll see how far we get today, to keep unpacking John 17. So we're going to take, if, if you guys were with us last week, Verses one through five, we got through four, and we're going to go to five today. All right, we're moving fast. But I want to start again. Let's relook at it. John 17, one. Jesus spoke these things, lifting his eyes to heaven. Father, the hour has come, the hour for him to go, the, go to the cross. Glorify your son, so that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all you, all you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, Father, the only true God. And they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Now, Father, uh, <clears throat> glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world. Glory big word <laughs> that we're going to unpack. Last week, again, we defined it this way. Glory is splendor, brilliance, majesty, authority, and the manifestation of God's perfection. Wow, the glory of God. Jesus is praying, may they see your glory in my life, in this sacrifice that's about to be made. May they know your glory. And I want to say this to us so that you're connecting with what's going on. You are made for glory. You are made by the glory of God. You are the glory of God. You house the glory of God. And you're to display the glory of God. We are to, to display the splendor, the brilliance, the majesty, the authority, and the manifestation of God's perfection. Here's what, again, re reiterating verse 5 and 24, verse 24 says it, Father, I desire they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me 
for you loved me before the foundation of the world. God wants us to see his glory. <laughs> so the question is, if God wants me to see his glory, be his glory, and reflect his glory, how do we see his glory? Well, a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, theologians talk about the scripture and the meta narrative of it in this way. It is the story of God's glory, God's brilliance, magnificence, and perfection. And I want to take you on a little familiar ride through scripture so that we connect again to God's purpose for our lives to show his glory, that we might glorify him. Genesis 1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, oh, he's got a circle. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, now, hey, everybody, just kind of put your hands on your head if your head hurts on big theology thoughts, all right? So here we go. In the beginning, God was enjoying himself. In all of the perfection and beauty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God was before there was time and before there was anything, there was God himself. And he decided to display himself in three expressions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the beautiful personality of God, there was perfection in the universe. I get excited about that thought. Some of y'all aren't yet excited about that thought. There was perfection in the universe. Everything was as it should be. And then God, in his beautiful, incredible, infinite wisdom, decided to create the heavens and the earth. And he literally spoke them into existence. The Spirit of God hovered over the water. Let there be light. And as I've said many times in this pulpit, when you walk out today and it is light, it is light because God created light. <laughs> there is a sun out there today that you're seeing because God created the sun. There is an earth that we walk on because God created the earth. There is gravity that keeps us centered because God created gravity. Everything was created by God, the, the, uh, the plants and the trees and the birds. Everything was created by God. It says in Romans 1 that we are without excuse because the creation alone describes the glory of God. Psalm 19.1 says the heavens are telling of the glory, the perfection, the beauty, the design of God. So that just alone should blow us away that there's a God who creates all things for his glory so his beauty can be seen in all the earth. So point one is, if you want to see God, walk outside. <laughs> Morning, noon, or night and acknowledge the stars that he made and the moon and the sun and the air that we breathe and the ground that we walk on. Glory to God. Yeah, I, I, yeah, okay. I just get so excited because God is so present. Then God takes his delight in glory and he creates us. You're created because God in his beautiful, perfect unity of love wants an expression of himself on earth called mankind and by his choosing, he creates us in his image. That should just blow us away. God created man. Who created man? God created man. Who created man? God, God Almighty. 
Man does not create man. Yes, we have a partnership with God, of course, but if we didn't have the parts to make God, we make, make people, then we wouldn't even have anything to work with, right? <laughs> we have the God of all creation. He created us in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created me. <laughs> Nobody a mistake. Nobody an oops. Nobody a whatever. Nobody nameless, faceless. Nobody of insignificance. Created by God and for God in the image of God. So when we see God's glory in creation, the outdoors, if you will, then even more so when we look in the face of one another, we see glory. <laughs> Steve, I see glory when I look at you right now. I do. I see the glory of God. Not perfect, not yet. When we get to heaven, we'll see the beauty of the perfection, but I see enough to get excited. <laughs> I see the glory of God in the face of his created ones. Therefore, everyone is valuable. Everyone has meaning and has purpose. All right. Then the Lord said, after he walks around with Adam and names a few animals and other things, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Everybody say alone. The only thing not good in the garden was man being alone because man, male, was incomplete without female. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I'll make the perfect complement to the male side. I will make the perfect complement the female side, and together they will display my glory. So if I was the devil, the number one thing I would try to do is split men and women apart in any and every way that I could to get them to not come together in unity to display his glory. Right? That is the place of warfare. That's why we're having a marriage conference. We are tearing down the wall of division in the covenant of marriage and finding how to restore what God intended. And for those that are single, you are not incomplete in your singleness because you are a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the bride. We are the bridegroom. And we are all made complete by our union covenant with him. And then as we honor one another as single men and women and we partner together instead of compare and compete with one another, we find God's glory. That's why Acts 2, when the Spirit of God falls in Acts chapter 2, it says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The Spirit of God did not just fall on male, but it fell on me female so that together they may have the voice of God for the world that needs to know God. Huge. So, Made a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God, sorry, the Lord, uh, the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
For the, this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his flesh and become, excuse me, and become one flesh. Any of you Bible scholars know where else this scripture is mentioned? All right, it is mentioned in Jesus, by Jesus in the Gospels, talking about the purpose of marriage, actually speaking against divorce is not God's first intention. We know that things happen in life. God is able to restore our lives no matter what has the, the, the brokenness of life has brought us. But Jesus said, this is not the intention. The intention is a covenant that is made and then kept by God's strength, by God's mercy, and that a man shall leave his mother and father shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Then the apostle Paul puts this up in the book of Ephesians and he quotes again this scripture from Genesis and he says, a man shall leave his mother and father, the two shall become one flesh, shall never be torn apart. And then he says, I'm speaking about Christ and the church, but let us also be committed to our marriage covenant. All right, a lot of heady stuff here. Remember, put your head on, if your head's hurting, just put it here, okay? Because here's the deal. In the original intent of God, created male and female, Paul takes that all the way up to say that everybody needs to be connected to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. All of us are his bride, his people, to be married forever, and this is a covenant that will never be broken. A husband may have left a wife, a wife may have left a husband, but Jesus will never leave you. The covenant with Jesus is based on his faithfulness. You can do any trick you want to try to get away from Jesus, but his covenant is sure. His pursuit is sure. He is immovable. He is unshakable. He is holy. He is righteous. He is full of love and unconditional grace. He is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. He is not going anywhere. He built his house and he's going to lead it. Come on back and reconnect to the head of the house. We have an incredible picture of glory, not just in the creation of mankind, but in this union called the church and the the bride together in Jesus. All right, classic problem. The devil comes, as God really said, Adam and Eve, they eat of the forbidden fruit, the one thing they were asked not to do, and Here we go. It says this, what happens then? We have beauty, we have glory, we have everything as God intended. And then they took of the fruit, then it said this. Then the eyes of both of them, male and female, Adam and Eve, were both open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves on coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. This, This is the key right here. Sorry, I'm getting a little messy here. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So here's what happens. What happens is there's glory, perfection, as God intended for you and I to live. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. And then when sin comes into the world, which was man's willful disobedience to God, God said how to live. Man said, I've got a better way. We go our way, and the result of that is guilt, shame and hiding and then blame and even more sin towards those around us. So here we go. Then the Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And then he said this 
who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So here we go, gang. If I was to summarize it this way, is that God has created you for glory. He's created the uh, uh, creation itself for us to see his glory. He made you male and female by his glory. You are a beautiful creation of God by the grace of God. But sin has made you feel less than or ugly or dirty or guilty. Sin has marred this beautiful, glorious frame. And Jesus has come to set us free from the hiddenness and the guilt and the shame that we might see again the glory of God in ourselves and in one another. And we might walk out his purpose and destiny. Let me say it another way. For all have sinned. Everybody say all. And fall short of the glory of God. If you're familiar with that passage, you often use that as a way to lead somebody to Jesus, and rightfully so. But this is a stunning passage of Scripture. All have sinned and fallen short, not just of eternity, not just of a better life, not just of feeling less guilty, not just of feeling less shame, not just to have a better marriage or a better life or a better job. We've fallen short of the glory of God. The splendor, the magnificence, the brilliance, the the manifest presence and perfection of God. We've fallen short of the very thing he created us for was to uh, behold glory and become glorious and then give glory away. So that's why sin is so bad, among other things. (laughs) Because when we sin and choose our way, we block the glory of God. And when we choose to behold him and walk in his way, we then are able to under, uh, we are able to understand his glory and then reflect his glory. Okay, just going to keep marching through the word here. And so where do we see the glory of God? (laughs) I meditated a lot this week on this. I know you came in here saying, hey, I just wanted a nice service. Okay, hang, hang on. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. (laughs) We saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We shared this last week. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory the exact representation of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. So when we say, where is the glory of God? I wanna see the glory of God. All I gotta do is look at Jesus and I see God's glory in perfection. Okay, let's just keep going. I'm just gonna wash you with the water word. And for us to enter into his glory, it said, whoops, excuse me, Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So through the life of Jesus, we see the perfection of God. And through the death, burial, and resurrection of God, we see the invitation of God to then see his glory face to face unhindered. All right, 
Just keep going. Paul speaking to the Colossians, he said to him, God will to make known what are the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here we go. God created the heavens and the earth. He created man in his image. He created us male and female in the beauty of union and communion with one another. We sinned. We couldn't see his glory. Then Jesus comes to manifest God's glory that we might see God in his perfection. And then he goes to the cross and becomes a sacrifice of our sin. So now we're marching back so that we might get back to the original tension of God to be his glory unhindered by sin and free in the grace of God to be all that he's called us to be. So what do we do? Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding and as a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when we see God's grace to forgive sin, and we know that then he puts his Holy Spirit in us that we might house glory, being temples of the Holy Spirit, how we activate that glory is by beholding him. By beholding him in our heart, in our prayers, in our union, communion, and partnership with him, by reading the word of God, by listening for his voice, by going to work and doing all for the glory of God, but not for God, but with God, because we're housed by the, we are the housing of God by the Holy Spirit. Again, the great thing is we've got all 2023 to unpack this. So here we go. Whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. <laughs> so have you noticed that this glory thing's a big deal in the Bible? And then at the end, it says that we know, it, we know in part, but then we'll see him face to face. We will ultimately, when we are done with this earth, we will see his glory forever and ever. So we were gloriously made by God. Sin marred the glory. Jesus died for our sins that we might once again enter into the glory and we can experience it in this life. And when we die, we will be in glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Okay. All right. A lot of theology there, a lot of heady stuff, but the question is, right, how do we display his glory? Whether to eat or drink, whatever I do, I do all for the glory of God. So, be, so we just talked about this. When we sang songs to him, we beheld his glory. When we read the word out loud, we, we connected to his glory through his word. And then when we are filled with glory, we become partners of his glory. So let me give you an example. So I just, I just talked to Steve, you know, glory of God. Glory of God. That's a beautiful couple. Absolutely. These guys, I just want to say, they have stepped into our fellowship. How long have you been here? Two years? Almost two years. Almost two years. They have stepped in with such grace to love the people of God, to care for what God cares about. They said, we're all in. We've had a few conversations. They got in life group. They're leading life group. They're caring for other people. They didn't just come to sit. They came to give God glory with their lives. And I want to honor that right now. And does that make y'all happy that this couple is, just, okay. Kim and Matt, 
Hey, hi, y'all. I didn't get to go to their wedding, but my wife did. I heard it was glorious. Glory, right? These guys got married. They went to serve the Lord to give him glory in the nations. They found each other, or God had them find each other. They're now married. They're going back to give God glory in the nations. But I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you that I had a little bit of money, and it's not much, but Lord, multiply this for this union. We're so grateful for this beautiful marriage. In Jesus' name. Woo! Jeff and Joanna. I tell them this almost every day that I see them. This is a great couple. I'm so proud of you guys. It's been such a journey. <laughs> They'd be the first to say, God has been gracious to us. He has carried us through thick and thin, and now he's using you as displays of his glory. Which is, oh. <laughs> you just want to kiss these guys in the most holy way because of the grace of God on their lives. And I, Mick, Murray, I mean, this guy, talk about, come on. I love this man. He's a teacher in the body of Christ. He trains us and helps us. How can you not hug Jamie Bobbitt right here? Oh my goodness. These are friends for 20 plus years who have walked with God, loved God, loved this body, given freely of themselves. And you know what I'm experiencing right now is glory. Because I'm acknowledging the goodness of God in other people's lives. I actually had in my back pocket Jason's mug shots uh, from prison and now his now shots of glory. Jason, stand up a second. Just smile at everybody. If you've seen his prison shots, you would be very concerned. But his deliverance shot looks like this. <laughs> Woo! This guy is glorious because of the grace of God. So we say, well, get practical. I just did. Just, <laughs> and look at me. I can't even fully smile because of this little palsy thing, but I hope you see the glory of God. I'm happy. My eyes are happy. My mouth is happy because God lives in me and I'm alive and I can give grace. I can give grace everywhere I go. Not because I'm perfect, I am flawed, very self-aware of my own sin, my own flaws, constantly coming back to the Lord and saying, oh, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Uh, but not in condemnation, in clarity of where hope and help is. And then staying enough alert and alive to serve others so that I don't become self-consumed. You see, this is the other thing about the glory of God. He's so smart. One of my takeaways from 2022 is Jesus is way smarter than I thought he was. I already thought he was smart, but this is really big. In the beauty of God, if I get my eyes off myself, I'm gonna sin less. But if I try to get self-consumed and become perfect all the time, I'll constantly be so self-consumed, no glory can get out of me. If I'm about my father's business, I can't have my hands idle in things that I shouldn't be in. When we love, when we give, when we serve, when we engage, when we pray, when we instead of, uh, when we turn Turkey and Syria and all this, that's so far away. We have dear friends that are there right now. I'm praying for their protection, their covering. You don't know them. You may not know about it, but when you pray and engage, the glory of God is made manifest. 
I know you want to give God glory today. I know you're made for God's glory today. I know that you have received God's glory today. And because of that, I want you to know that you can be fully alive. The story of his glory. And back to our unity piece, union, communion, and partnership. Jesus gave this prayer, John 17, that we would be one as he and the Father one, that the world may know. This is what it's all about. And one last picture illustration is kind of like this. If you're going to put up a tent, you got to put the, the main pole, you got to have it secured in the middle, the tallest parts in the middle so that we know where to stand so that everything can hang and the tent can be stretched and pulled and everything else. This centrality of the glory of God in the face of Jesus is the pole in the middle. It, it, it's that pole in the middle that sustains and strengthens the highest point that makes the tent work. You are a temple, a tent of the living God is Jesus high and lifted up. Your home is a temple, a space for the glory of God. Is Jesus the center of your home? Is Jesus the center of your workplace? Is Jesus the center of what you're doing and where you're, where you're going? Put him in the middle. Let him be high and lifted up because he holds everything by the word of his power. That's how you give God glory. By letting the centrality of his awesomeness consume where you live and what you do and how you walk and how you talk. Let it be, Lord. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Come on, let's stand together. Pray it with me. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Show us your glory, God. Just pray it. Pray it for yourself. You know, the great thing about God is you can pray anything, especially if it's according to his will. You don't have to get perfect to pray. It's the opposite. You got to let go and pray so that you can see the perfect one. You are glorious. You are perfect, God. You are perfect in all of your beauty. We honor you, Jesus. We want to pray like you pray. We want to feel what you feel. We want to hope what you hope in and help what you help. God, we pray. So as we're here in this moment, I'm going to have our prayer teams come up to the front. One of the glories of God is to heal the sick. One of the glories of God is to pray over people and break the yoke. As we talked about uh, earlier, things on your mind, things on your heart, heaviness. We want to pray for you. We want to care for you in the name of Jesus. As you're just there in your own moment with God, and if you're there online, I just want to encourage you, respond to God right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I need to respond right now? And if you need prayer for anything, you or your family, you have personal needs. Again, God's been speaking week after week after week about this whole idea of suicidal thoughts. This is so uh, grievous to the heart of God, and He wants so much to help you and to show mercy and comfort to you. If you need prayer for anything, come this way. Come on up here. As the, as the team sings, two other things I want you to do. If you're here and when you walked in, you got the little communion deals. <laughs> and um, we didn't get to that today, but you know what? You can sit down right now. You can agree with your family. If that is something that will help you remember today or take it home with you. And before you have your lunch, what if you just sat down? It doesn't matter whether you're in a restaurant, actually it may be more beautiful to bring your communion cup with you 
or take it right now. We're trying to make this a daily practice this year, definitely a week-by-week practice. You're welcome to do that as we pray together. You're welcome to take it with you and do that as a space and a place, uh, your family, your friends, your loved ones. So, Lord, I pray right now, let your glory, let your glory ignite our hearts and our minds, God. And let your glory bring hope, help, and restoration. Let the communion of the saints and literal communion bring life to us as we respond to you. Amen.